Okay. So this is part two of the teaching that I began last week with the words of St. Bernard concerning our Blessed Mother and the sword that pierced her heart, the violence of sorrows. And I want to, to focus a little bit tonight on a little bit of the concrete about living the violence of sorrows. Because of our humanity, we need to suffer in the flesh the sorrows of the two hearts of Jesus and Mary. Therefore, we receive the piercings, the violent sorrows, through the condition of the hearts of those closest to us. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you quite a few examples tonight. But last week I was having accompaniment with a sister in our community, and she was telling me about an incident she had where her son came from another state with his fiance, and Sunday was his birthday. So here his mother our, in our community, she prepared a special birthday lunch for him on Sunday. She had bought all the food. And Sunday morning, he left with his fiance and didn't stay for the celebration of his birthday. And listening to this person, I thought, that's a violent sorrow. And one of the things she said was, well, you know, that's okay, but I said no. The truth of the matter is that your heart was wounded. As a mother, you received the, the pain of being disregarded, unappreciated. But you also received the immense sorrow of the immensity of the selfishness and blindness of your son. And I said it's important to enter those sorrows and to suffer them with Jesus. How, how the pain that the Lord feels of how disregarded he is, how unappreciated the Lord is, especially in the Eucharist. Our Lord has taught us again recently, has stressed that in this community, his little mustard seed, our vocation, we cannot forget this, my family, our vocation is to suffer with him. Our vocation is to remain with him, accompanying him in his agony. This is our vocation to love. This is what the Lord is asking of us. We are like those friends, Peter, James, and John in Gethsemane, and he's saying, will you remain with me to suffer with me and to love in this way? So tonight I want to focus on how do we block 
the sword of sorrows from penetrating our hearts. So the first way I've been thinking that we block the, the sword of sorrows is by remaining distracted, doing many things and many times doing many really good things and not taking the time to reflect, to ponder in order to enter the sorrows. I was having accompaniment this week with another sister and we were, we were speaking about this and she asked me the question, so do you mean am I supposed to dwell on my sorrow, on the sorrows I receive? Do I need to dwell on them? And I said, absolutely yes. We need to dwell. And for this, there are two things we need very much to live as this kind of victim soul. And you see these virtues incredibly lived out in our Blessed Mother. And the two are silence and recollection. Therefore, another way to block the sword of sorrows to penetrate our heart is by living a life with no, well, even with little silence and a lack of recollection. Silence is of the essence to allow the piercings to enter the depth of our hearts, which is where the Lord dwells. In the words that I shared with you that the Lord recently gave us in June, the Lord said to us, Remain in the silence of your heart and in prayer, gazing at me. Receive my pain and the thirst of my divine love for souls. Allow my gaze to immerse you in my pain and agony of love for souls. Our Blessed Mother receives the sword of the violent sorrows of the pain of Jesus, the pain of her son. And the Lord is telling us, remain in silence. Now this does not mean that we do not speak. It's more and more an interior silence. It's important that if you haven't pondered in a while our section on silence in the path, that you ponder this. Because the more we grow in the vocation the Lord has asked of us, the greater we need to see this life of silence growing within our hearts. Our path on page 267 says this, Silence allows us to get in touch with our sorrows so that we can enter them and unite them to the sorrows of Jesus. 
then our sufferings are no longer obstacles in our path to God, but actually become the path to union with Him. That one sentence is so important. Our sorrows lived with Jesus is the path to union with Him. That is why the heart of Jesus and the heart of Mary are one, completely united, because they suffered together as one. When Mary, it goes on in page 267, when Mary embraced her son, as in the Pietà, she embraced and received the brokenness of all of humanity, each of us. When we join her in this embrace of her son, we too receive in our hearts the wounds of many souls. Through Jesus, with him and in him, in this way, we live the holy sacrifice of the Mass in our ordinary lives. This explains why recently, with one of the words I gave to you from the Lord of June 16th, the Lord said to us, This is the triumph of my Eucharistic life. He is telling us, my family, that each of us are living as we suffer everything through him, within him, and in him, the words of the Mass, of the consecration of the Mass, we're living the Mass throughout our entire day. And when we live the Mass throughout our entire day, it, it becomes, we are living the triumph of the Eucharistic life of Jesus. This is amazing. We need to ponder these things because they're truly amazing. The mercy of God is being poured upon us. How grateful we need to be because we are the little ones. In our path, number 102, on page 267, our Lord taught us about silence. I'm going to read to you some of what is there. The Lord said to us, Silence allows you to embrace fully the sorrow of your heart. That's why my family, he keeps telling us, remain in silence. If there isn't silence, we don't give the time. For example, we can live our day. And all of us on a daily basis, experience many sorrows but many times we're so busy we don't necessarily take the time to enter them so we need to become men and women that during the day during our rhythm of day even when we're doing chores we're able interiorly to think about some of those sorrows in that silence of our heart and really enter them. It might be a bad attitude that someone said something to us. It might be a sin that we're seeing 
in some of the souls that, that live close to us. We need to take the time to ponder and to think about the sorrow of that and unite it and suffer it with Jesus. This is why I feel like maybe in a monastery they have a rhythm of prayer, but work that has to do with the hands. And in our homes many times we clean, we cook, we garden, you might cut the grass, you might be working with your hands on mechanics. That type of work is wonderful work to enter a rhythm of silence inside. I feel that sometimes the work, though, that has to do more with um, thinking of the mind is where you kind of get distracted and can't really. Um, so if we do a lot of work that we're on the computer, we need to get off because this type of work needs that type of silence. So we need to get off not only maybe in the chapel, but actually to get off and take a walk, um, do some gardening, do some cleaning, things like that that can bring forth that interior reflection. The Lord goes on to say in number 102, Silence allows you to enter fully the sorrow I am permitting in your heart. As you embrace this pain and suffering, you are embracing me. I think we forget that. Every single sorrow and pain that we embrace is an opportunity to embrace our beloved Jesus Christ to embrace his broken body is to live with Mary the Pietà. You are embracing my pain and suffering and thus entering my heart. For my heart is all pain and love. This is mercy. To come to know the love of your beloved is to come to experience my sorrow. This is why my mother is the queen of sorrows. For it is she who lived most perfectly consumed in my heart. This union of sorrow must move your heart to love all by suffering with silence, peace, and abandonment for all your brothers and sisters. A fruit of our spirituality, a fruit of living the path is that we begin to see the compassion of our hearts and the willingness to receive the oppression, the sin, the brokenness, the woundedness of our brothers and sisters and to suffer with Jesus as grace for them. That is love. That is true love. And if we're truly living the path 
then we're growing in this kind of love. I want to speak about, as we talk about this, I'd like to say something tonight, a distinction between suffering the sorrows of our heart and depression. Sorrows versus depression. I think many times even us in the community can say, Lord, you have to be kidding. You mean I really have to live my life embracing every pain and sorrow? This is depressing. I think other people that hear this think, oh my goodness, this is a depressing life. <laughs> I mean, but the truth is that it's not. Think of our Blessed Mother. She is the queen of sorrows. Have you ever, ever thought of our Blessed Mother as a woman depressed, a mother of depression? Never. And yet, she's the queen of sorrows. So what's the difference? This is important, my family. The difference is that Mary embraces every single sorrow with Jesus. And she lives it in perfect faith, knowing that she is fulfilling the will of the Father. She lives every sorrow in perfect hope, knowing that she is participating in the redemption of the souls of the world. And she lives it in perfect love because she's united to the sacred heart of Jesus. Therefore, our Blessed Mother is full of sorrows, but she's also the mother of joy, the mother of mercy. This is how we are called to live. If I, as I contemplated this in my own life, I realized at times when I have felt depressed, I feel it's always because of one thing, because I've lost hope. It's a sense of my suffering over a certain situation or certain souls, and feeling hopelessness. They're never going to change. My life, constantly living this way, is not really doing anything. If I fall into that attitude, into that hopelessness, it immediately leads to a certain darkness, to a certain depression. And that's the difference. If I live each and every sorrow, truly looking at the Lord, full of faith, believing in everything that the Lord has told us, that I am truly in my nothingness of life, 
in my most ordinary life as a mother, grandmother, wife, I am saving a multitude of souls. I am full of faith and hope. If I live every sorrow looking in the eyes of my Jesus and contemplating his rejection, his exhaustion, then I am full of love. And the sorrow becomes a way of living that fills me with peace and even joy amidst the sorrow. There's a verse from St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.8 where he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not constrained. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. As I look around, as I read the news and listen to the news, as I listen to my husband and many others, we can live perplexed and baffled by the darkness consuming the world. I spoke to a sister in the community yesterday that said to me, here in the United States, this new school year, they're starting a new after-school program called After-School Satan Club. An after-school program beginning in elementary school. One of the cities it's being launched is in Miami, where I live. We can feel baffled and perplexed with so much darkness, but I hear a lot of people around me feeling a certain hopelessness, feeling that all of this is happening and there's nothing we can really do. That has to be the opposite of how we live. The Lord has been preparing us for this time of darkness. And the Lord has told us in a few instances, you are my herald of hope. We have to live this darkness, suffering it with Jesus, full of the faith and hope in his mercy, and knowing for sure the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the new Pentecost is coming. Because we live the sorrows with Jesus, crucified more and more with him, we are hope. And I think this is very much in line with when the Lord is telling us the majority of the people are not prepared. They're not because they are going to fall into depression, into despair. And we can't, because we must live in faith, hope, and love. And that's going to triumph. The third point of how we do not receive the sword of suffering 
is by discarding the suffering. This is nothing. I had another example of this this week. I was in the hospital waiting for my mother surgery to finish and I was speaking to a family member and she was telling me about her family vacation they just got back from and about one of her sons that she struggled greatly with and how upset she was because he wouldn't do anything she asked him to do in the vacation home to clean the dishes to help out he gave her an attitude about everything she got really frustrated and angry with him and I asked her if you can work through the anger the resentment the frustration what was the pain you were feeling and sorrow the violent sorrow you were feeling from your son and she said to me I felt completely disregarded as a mother I felt completely unappreciated and unloved by him and I said to her that's what you need to suffer with the Lord but then she said one thing to me she said but this is nothing compared to Jesus and I realized at that moment and I tried to explain this to her she was disregarding she was discarding she was telling herself this is not a sorrow worth suffering she wasn't giving herself permission to suffer this and this is important because many times as children we were told do not feel that so many times we block the ability we tell ourselves eso no es nada in Spanish that's nothing I can't be upset about that but the truth is we are upset because we're hurt so what was going on with this person in my family she wasn't giving herself permission to feel that suffering because it's nothing so what was coming out was the anger the resentment the frustration and this leads us to another very important distinction suffering sorrows versus complaining many times our sorrows are not as big as other people's but they're still our sorrows and those sorrows is what the Lord is permitting in each of our lives that has the power to unite us to him and there's a huge difference between suffering each and every sorrow the Lord is constantly telling us my family suffer all a l l capital all everything that i am permitting in your lives with me i was contemplating my own life and i think 
I got a moment of great, um, the gift of, at the feet, <laughs> knowledge, <laughs> the gift of knowledge. And I realized, oh my goodness, I complain, and I have complained a lot. It was like I never realized that I really complain a lot. And I saw, what is complaining? When we complain about a suffering, I started pondering, what am I doing when I complain? I'm rejecting. I'm rejecting the suffering. I am trying to live according to my own will. For example, my day's plan was to do this, that, and the other. Well, something comes up. My mother's in the hospital. I'm having to spend hours there now. If I complain, it's because I'm not accepting the will of God at that moment. Lourdes still wants to have her own will. So I complain. It's not going my way. We complain about almost all our sufferings. I don't like my job. I complain. I don't like, I don't have a job. I lost my job. I complain. I'm not happy with the husband I got. I'm not happy with the wife I got. I complain. I don't like children I got. I complain. And we don't see that these are the opportunities to become saints that the Lord's giving us, to grow in love. I'm preparing weekend's retreat, and I was touched in the plane today coming to Georgia. I give it to you so when you look in, Saint, in the diary of St. Faustina, you can look it up. Number 343. Saint Faustina begins by saying, Te doy gracias, Señor. I thank you, Jesus. Do you know what Saint Faustina is thanking him for? There's a list. I'm going to give you a few. She's thanking him for the difficulties of community life. Think about the difficulties of family life, the same thing. Saint Faustina is thanking Jesus for being mis, not interpret, uh, misinterpreted, misunderstood. She's thanking Jesus for all her humiliations. She's thanking him for all the ways she's been unjustly treated. She's thanking him for her poor health. She's thanking him for her exhaustion. She's thanking him for her um, not being recognized and appreciated. On and on. She thanks him. Why is St. Faustina thanking him? Because St. Faustina lived the path. And she realizes that in every difficulty and every suffering, there is Jesus. And it's her means to unite and suffer with him, to enter union with her spouse. So I started doing something. Every night now when I do my examination of conscience, I think 
of all the difficulties and all the sufferings throughout the day. And I start to list them. And I start to thank the Lord for each and every one. And I think it's a beautiful practice for us to begin in Love Crucified. I think it's going to really help us. The last point I want to make of how we also prevent the sword of violent sorrows to penetrate our heart is by not doing the work of exposing ourselves to Christ. Not coming to Jesus and allowing us to unveil before him our spouse and becoming naked more and more before the Lord. Taking the time to give him each day our resentment, our frustration, all the ways that we get irritated with each other, with our, each other's faults, and really saying to the Lord, my Lord, transparency with Jesus, he loves it. Saying, my Lord, I'm really struggling with this person. He or she is driving me crazy. I am so irritated. Please, my Lord, take the irritation away from my heart. And just allow me to love. So I just stand by saying, my family, as our hearts are purified and made clean, they become very sensitive to sin. This is a reality of living the path. The hardness of hearts of others, harshness, pride, arrogance, indifference, the lack of love for Christ and his church that we find in so many souls within our own family, the shallowness of souls, the obliviousness, the disorders we see all around us, the oppressions, the addictions to alcohol, addictions to drugs, to pornography, to TV, souls that we might live with that spend hours in front of the television, buying, selfishness. More and more, we have to receive like the white cloth that Mary soaks up the blood of Jesus, soaking it all in and suffering it with the Lord. But here, the Lord stresses for us the five things that are so important for us. Humility, purity, simplicity, trust, and courage. We must have the humility, purity, and trust. The humility to suffer these sorrows with pure love, desiring only the conversion and salvation of souls. And the trust that God, in his infinite mercy, chooses to need me to help in their salvation. <laughs> 